Hello, I'm Edgar Papke. And I'm Ken Sagendorf. Welcome to the True Alignment Podcast, episode 28. 28, coming to you live from the Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. And always so much fun to be here with you. Likewise, Edgar, likewise. Good morning. Did good you have a good weekend? Yes, I did. And you? Yeah, fast. Yeah. Uh, Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup champs last night. Yeah, so, big time. Big fantastic. Time. Yeah. Fantastic game and uh, series and so happy. So happy for them and, and Denver. Yeah, they really, uh, it was fun watching the tail end of it uh, because they just seemed to take control. It yeah. Was, there just wasn't anything that they were going to let get in their way. They yeah. Really well done. It was a little bit of a, of a switch. Hey, I was reading this morning, uh, speaking of that, was, um, you know, one of the stars for the Avalanche is Nathan McKinnon, right. and, and there was an article on ESPN that was written um, talking about um, his kind of control of the locker room. Really? And the idea that uh, he's hyper-competitive. That and, I've heard. And he will call people out in the locker room in practice um, because he wants to win. And it was it was really kind of a, they had interviewed former players that played with him, some current players that play with him now, and um, but they were really talking about kind of that language, and you know some of the arguments were about what he, uh, how he challenges people to eat, and whether or not he had he had control over the diets and uh, uh, of all the players. But you know, I, I got I was struck by. The writing was really about how he had a little too much influence on how others were inside that inside that team. Mm. So it made me think today about what we're going to talk about today, which is, you know, the power of uh, the power of words. I know, I know that when I I think a lot about what I say and what the intent is. Um, uh huh. Yeah, I think that's one of the things about alignment. Uh, and the, we had a brief conversation about this, is the idea that intention you know, matters so much in alignment and how it is that you practice intention. And then how, if that finds its way into our behaviors and everything that we do and say, for our words are in fact actions, that idea of that, you know, your actions speak louder than your words. I think words are part of your actions, and I think we need to be very conscious of that. And so one of the challenges that comes along with the practice of alignment is to be conscious at that level and bring choice, uh, bring choice to the forefront in the words that we choose. And, yeah, to choose carefully. When I write, I probably think a lot more about that than when I speak because you can ask, and you know this firsthand, and Jim, you know this as well, is, hey, you know, some things come out of my mouth that just, yeah, mm-hmm. not a good idea. Uh, and so what's our level of awareness and consciousness of choice in, in the words that we choose and the times we need to choose carefully? And there's also some choices we can make that we can form habit around yeah, so let's talk about that. Before we get there, Edgar, I have, I have a question for you. You have always been so good as a listener. I mean, you are a, just a, 
a world-class listener, honestly. And, and it is, um, see that world-class, you gotta be careful about the words you choose. <laughs> no, I, I'll stand behind that one all day long. Uh, I've watched you work with other people and, and the way that you listen and make connections is very kind of you is, is quite amazing. The, um, you, you listen so closely that it's really great to work with you because you will call out when I say things like, um, or people have that little hitch. <laughs> you hear, you, you hear that. I mean, that's, to get up. that's, that's part of your, that's part of your listening uh, technique. But you've, you've talked to me ever since we met about the power of just singular word changes. Yeah. I think one of the more popular ones that we can, we can just put right out front is the idea of trying to get rid of the word but and replace it with and, which is one that in coaching and in leadership development is one that's often referred to. Yeah, there was an Inc.com article this weekend that I read, which were the, the five statements the five statements that you know your boss will be undermining you. Ah. And and one of them at the top of the list was, I hear you, but. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is that contradiction that shows up. I hear you, but now let me tell you how it really is. Those yeah. levels of listing that we've talked about here. And the power of the but, because so often people hear but as the no. And it's difficult because I hear what you're saying is a form of uh, – or at least can be perceived as agreement, and then the word but says, and now I'm going to disagree with you. Mm-hmm. So there's that somewhat understated eloquence that comes with the word. And you're always teasing people when we're doing sessions about, you know, a fallacy is don't take this personal. Everything is personal. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. The, um, and it is. Totally, 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 totally. The idea of setting intention. Mm-hmm. If you have an intention to work with somebody and they bring out that but, what happens to your intention? Oh. The the question of itself, for me, says, you know, what, what context? So if I'm working with someone, context being what? Yeah. For me, the idea of setting intention, so, mm-hmm. so powerful. Yes. So difficult. And then emotion kind of overwhelms the intention sometimes when you're in a conversation with somebody. Yes. So one of the things that I know that I work on often is to try and, and, and really work better with people that I, I disagree with their thinking in some sense. I mean, I think this is, I'm always yeah. drawn to, to work with people, not because my intention is to get them to do something different, but it's to help shape me. I mean, it's very selfish in some sense to help shape me um, through that work. Mm-hmm. And so I know that setting an intention when I'm doing that work with, with somebody like that is I have it on the way in and in the conversation, the intention can slide away because emotionally I get, excuse me, wrapped up in something. And so when I have, I mean, and this is where you in a conversation, this is where you tend to lock horns, is that when somebody, I mean, I'd, I'd rather be told I just disagree with you than the, I hear what you're saying, but. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, because they don't really hear. 
They don't really hear what I'm saying. Well, I think it's great if you can go into a conversation and be able to be intentional enough to state the intention. Yeah. Hard. And then to talk about what you'd like. And, and this is a lot of the work we do around alignment and relationships is to be able to articulate, here's what I'd like for the relationship or here's what I'd like this conversation to look like. Here's my intention for this conversation. And, of course, the power there is also to be able to express the concern. Here's my intention, and I'm also concerned that perhaps I may drift from that. Or um, if we, if there's an emotion attached to this, that I may lose my, my alignment to my intention in how it is that we communicate or I communicate with you. I think that's it's so powerful to read, and I think it sets in a way establishes a, a foundation for a conversation for a relationship to stay in intention. Here's here's what I'd like this to look like, including how I hear you, um, and that my intention is not to disagree. If there's a different viewpoint, I'd like to explore it. It's not about disagreement; it's about exploration. That brings up something that we, t- we talked about last week, and we actually it came up in a group, working with a group, which was uh, shifting from the language of, I would argue, I would argue that, I would argue, as a, and, and really what is your intention is to argue or is it to explore? And perhaps to invite the other person to an exploration would be, I would explore, or I'd like to explore that further, yeah. as opposed to just the argument. There's really something in there about a different perspective. I. <laughs> because I, the arguments are very much the but that's just not yeah. what I'm saying I hear what you're saying but totally, I would totally. argue that you know? well I don't you know our our you know the United States is all um, we're struggling yeah I heard the um too uh, we're struggling uh, with the overturn of Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. and uh, the battle for uh, gun gun control, control. Uh, we're these things are so uh, such big trigger points right now. Pardon the pun. That, yeah, that's a bad pun. Thank you. That, but people are having a hard time. The arguments are always that the other side is wrong. And rarely do you hear the intention of let me explore a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, or to just even wind it back further. My intention is to better understand your point of view and, and to share mine. And I and would like to listen and hear your Both point of view. And I'd like to explore that. So it doesn't become the argument of this way or that way. I, I think one of the principal aspects, I'm going to really take this all the way back to the core of the relationship, is my first intention is do no harm in communicating with someone. And that in of itself establishes internally a great way to practice intention and practice alignment. I begin with do no harm. Well, that can have a lot of different levels and layers to it. But certainly one of the ways that we can create harmony relationship is to not listen to one another. That what we'll do is we'll go immediately into argument. And that idea of doing harm then shows up as I'm not listening to you, I'm ignoring you, I'm not giving you the significance that you deserve, then this goes back to the conversation of mutual respect. 
So I think opening with just the idea of I, I don't want to do harm and I want to have an intention here for the dialogue, for the conversation that goes beyond just the argument that moves to exploration. And how do we explore that? In the gun control argument, uh, some one person says, well, we ought to ban assault weapons. And and it becomes around that. You know, do we do we have assault weapons? Can people purchase them? Do we do they even exist in our society as a whole, um, outside of military or you know, uh, depending on need, right? And what's interesting is that there's uh, what's the definition? So what is that? What is actually an assault weapon? What does that even look like, or what does it do? And what's its purpose for existence and what context? And so I think the same is true with when you think about the road decision, it's remarkable how polarized it can be without an understanding and without having context. One person's experience of adoption or abortion can be different than someone else's. And someone's circumstance or context can be so different from someone else's. And so to put blanket statements and to make blanket decisions, I understand decisions need to be made at, a, at higher levels and understanding and being in, interpreting law has a lot to do with clarity. I think once we move away from context and we move away from exploring and seeking understanding, that's when we wind up you know, with the lack of truly an intention for understanding. Possibility. It's much like in organizations. If it's an argument, we're not going to solve a problem. We have to identify what the right problem is that needs to be solved. And and then to connect abortion to homelessness, and then homelessness to, <laughs> to violence, and then violence to guns. And you can see all the threads just emerging that we really ought to have the capability to really explore and, the, and, and find what the right problems are that need to be solved. That, that point, Edgar, about context mattering here, we see this in organizations all the time. It's much easier to make uh, a policy or a procedure to be followed. It's, it's just much easier to control versus having a contextual conversation and needing to make decisions uh, based on context. I, I mean, a lot of that is, I wondered, as you were having that last statement, if we're, if we're disadvantaged by too many lawyer shows in our culture um, and, and the arguments over, over the meanings of individual words is, is where we tend to drive, drive toward uh, and we lose sight of the intention uh, of the conversation, which is something about protection protection of rights, protection of something um, in that in that conversation. But you know I know I know even in my own household conversations like with my daughter are challenging because the intention is always to make sure that she can be a thriving human being. That's always the you, you said do no harm with my children it's uh-huh. make sure you can be a thriving human be, human being. And I'm more tough love, probably more than I ought to be, but the the trapping of my sister got this, and and the idea that you're supposed to do things the same for everybody, I mean that's like a parent 
that's like a bear trap waiting for a parent to step into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think societally with these big conversations we're having here lately, especially uh, how they've been exacerbated with these legal turnovers, I think that's the that's really what we're doing. We're setting these kind of bear traps for people to step into around the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so much... Um, I can just bring this down to the level of having that contextual inquiry. So much like with your daughters, one says, well, my sister got this. Okay, let's explore that. What do you think is going on for your sister? What's going on for you? Let's take a look at that. As opposed to, well, there's reasons why. You know, yeah, which is also, you, know, you, you think about how it is that we use what and why. Why is such a wonderful trigger, isn't it? Why did you do that? As opposed to what 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 was what was happening what was for you? On. What was going on for you? Yeah. And so the way that we manifest the questions and the inquiries and how we use exploration in different ways and forms and and we start this conversation about the, you know, the words that you choose and being conscious of those words and there it is shifting from um, should or could, you know, which, which identify, I could have done this, I should have done this, you should have done this, you could have done this, to what else is possible, right? And yeah. let's, let's, let's look at it. Uh, uh, moving from the, the, the but, the more to the and language, and, and say more about that, and being conscious of those kinds of shifts are so, so powerful. Moving from the why to the what's. How much is in there, Edgar, about kind of the the social ladder, the relational ladder, um, and the power dynamic that moves? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, I find, I find, regardless, there's always going to be hierarchical implications or hierarchical uh, tendencies within relationships. Somebody leads, somebody follows. It's as simple as where do we go for dinner? Why? What, uh, why do I have to decide? Or you know, instead of asking, so what are you thinking? Or you know, there is um, there's always going to be the hierarchical implication. I find that, and this is an important one that we teach leaders, is to create a leveling effect. And so, in the choices that we make, if we're consciously and intentional about, let me level this level of relationship. A great way to do that is through the creation of mutual respect, which is then listening to understand the other person and in behaving in that way and choosing the words that, that manifest that. Sometimes it may be just as simple as the intention is, hey, I don't want to be the decision maker to tell you what to do. Now, be careful. I don't want to tell you what you do to do, but if I were you, there you go. You just, right? I don't want to tell you what to do, so let's explore this. What, what are some options? And so just in those shifts uh, you know, those are those are such significant shifts in the moment that create a leveling effect in the re, in the relationship. It says it's not hierarchical. I don't have the authority. I'm not going to tell you what to do, and I and I behave that way. So I align my behavior, and my choice of words, to what my true intention is. I think that the idea of leveling is is a really powerful powerful way to manage any relationship, even. Even with a child who steps off a curb, oh, at first you could say, "Well, don't do that," 
then it's somewhere along the line you're going to have to come back to my intention is to keep you safe because I love you. Let's talk about next time you're at the curb. What is what can this look like? Yeah. No, I think that's helpful. And we've seen we've seen this conversation, how hard this is. I mean, when you describe it, Edgar, it sounds so beautiful, wonderful. I mean, it's like a soft music playing in the background, how simple <laughs> this is, right? But the reality is the practice of this is really, really difficult. So yeah. we, I mean, we've been in these rooms. I'm, I'm remembering one group, one group. I mean, I think we had 17, 18 folks here, including the two founders and, and, and we heard so clearly and, and we're not talking about, uh, you know, hierarchical differences in the org structure so much. I mean, we're talking about like the founders and, and all of their VPs that are doing the work to keep the business successful. And that was a growing, rapidly growing rocket ship kind of business. Mm-hmm. And we heard those 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 folks at that VP level say some things, and then the founders immediately respond and dismiss. Yeah, like, I mean that was discount. I mean that was such a value. miss, and we, yeah. I, it was amazing because you know when we do these two day retreats, people come in all here's what we're going to accomplish, and the reality is we need to put them in that space and see if they can actually listen to one another. Yeah, because and, and and that's probably why a lot of times, just like in a lot of relationships, you don't see the outcomes that you're seeking that you want to manifest, because there's so much of a discounting and there's so much of a of a pushback or lack of alignment. Then that out of that state of arguing or wanting to be right or or taking control and not really listening, that then people say, yeah, we agree, we have a strategy, we have a way of moving forward, then they leave, and a year later they're still talking about the same things or what didn't we get accomplished because the alignment is lacking. And there's different reasons for those barriers to alignment, and one of them is how we're heard, how we listen, how do we explore, and how we create a shared understanding, which is, and shared understanding is very difficult to achieve if that's not what your intention is. I think one of the things about this is you can take some really basic elements, uh, basic tactical approaches, move from the but to and or yes and, and to move away from the coulds and shoulds and talk more about what's possible or wh- what could wh- what else could we be doing, um, to move away from uh, the idea of um, I would argue to I'd like to explore those are all very tactical, on-the-ground kind of uh, things that we can do in any conversation. The thing is, like playing an instrument, you need to practice those notes. Those are your notes that become part of your melody, and your melody becomes part of your 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 song of life, the tune the tune that you <laughs> that you consistently play. So I think it begins with the idea of practice, and to understand that practice is the ongoing repetitious uh, process that you engage in that moves you towards mastery of the discipline. So the practice, in a very practical level, is to start making some conscious choices. This is what I'm going to work on. It may be one, it may be two. Just let me begin and then move towards, move towards the mastery of the discipline, which can only be achieved through practice. And yeah, you're not going to get it right every time. You just don't. thing is you become aware. And the more you become aware, the more you have that power of choice in the moment to have a consciousness and awareness to 
right? Choose the words. Choose the words that are going to align to your intention and influence the relationship in the way that you want. Yeah, last week you facilitated a session for, for me at my job, and and I was... I thought uh, this was the only thing you do. This is the thing I love to do <laughs> in my daytime job. Um, you facilitated a session for us, and, you know, I'm I'm pretty blunt about some things um, with the hope of with the hope of challenging some of the status quo for a different uh, outcome. So you want to challenge the status. Your intention is to somewhat challenge the status quo. Your concern is that at times you can be relatively blunt. And? And I was in a situation where I, I got called out a little bit because we had decided on some things. And, you know, I had pointed out, this is all well and great, but this and th- and and the leadership are the only folks that can can do this. Uh-huh. And someone said, "You know, Ken, let's explore. Let's explore that truth." And it, it really, they came to apologize to me afterwards, and I said, "No, you know, I I hadn't thought about it that way, and I'm." You know, I do want to learn. I, w- I want to see how we can really do those things. Yeah. But I remember that one of the things I had to do was was share one of the things with my boss that really frustrates me, and that is to be an influencer of other people. Uh, and I, listen, I when I worked for the American military, this was one lesson I learned really hard really early, um, which was... I mean, I introduced something, and I said, the general wants us to. <laughs> and I was told, um, once we leave the closed-door room, it's no longer the general wants us to, it's we will. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And I, I had to have ownership of that, and that was something I had to learn uh, in that culture and context. Um, you know, even something I didn't necessarily agree with. I just want to go back a little bit in what you just shared and the importance of the idea of and the word truth, truth. So here's my truth, here's your truth. And we can get caught up in that very quickly to say, well, that's not true. What I'm saying is true. You're, you know, you're full of it. Or that's not, that's not really fact. And I think what we have to remember is that everyone has their truth. It's what they think, see, and feel. And when we talk about the idea of let's come to it, you know, what's true, what we really do, doing is seeking a shared understanding or a shared truth. This is what you, you, you're offering, you're bringing to the conversation, here's what I'm bringing to the conversation, and let's look at that as the big and. Here's what you think, see, and feel. Here's what I think, see, and feel. We need to have a shared understanding of what truth really is. And yes, we could look at it scientifically, data-based. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to come at it. It begins with, let's get an understanding of what your truth, what my truth is. And let's start with that and, and move towards that as a shared understanding piece. From there, then, we can, we can really, I think, be much more effective and probably save ourselves a lot of time and pain in relationships to be able to have that as a, as a cornerstone, as a foundational piece to how it is we communicate with one another. 
let's help understand each other. Let's, let's really move to that space and be intentional about it. And that takes practice. I wonder if that's, that's the fear about this remote work conversation that we've had repeatedly is that development of shared context is really difficult. It really takes an action of, of the folks in that uh, situation to um, use that contextual inquiry um, towards one another to find out what their context is so we can figure out where shared context exists. Yeah, because a lot of it is happens outside the brain. I mean, you know, we can intellectualize just about anything. And a lot of it is just the energy and in our communication with one another. And that happens both in person as well as virtually. It happens less virtually because we don't have the same uh, capability to see the expressiveness of body language or the energy that's in the room. There's a distinct difference, so I think we have to be more and more conscious of that. And I think that what I've discovered, at least in my own experience, is that the ability to jump to conclusions happens a lot faster virtually than it does in person. I think in person we have more signals coming at us, so there's more of an opportunity to decipher or to get a sense of what's going on, where... Uh, because we're so immediate to just hear the words. So that means we have to choose our words. I believe more, more do it in any conversation. I think of when we're working virtually online with one another or just like in an email, we've got to choose our words carefully because yeah. of the interpretation and what they represent. I think we also have to listen more carefully to understand where the trappings are of some of the assumptions we can make about what someone's saying. Okay, movie reference this week. A Few Good Men. Uh, An oldie but a goodie. So uh, solid acting in there, but there's one one scene in particular where, uh, uh, you know, the, our conversation today here, Edgar, is when you use that but because uh-huh. you're unwilling to either state your intention, declare... And declare that you actually don't see see the same thing, right? So in that movie, uh, you know, for any viewer that hasn't seen it, shame on you. You should go see it. It's a good one. Um, but the uh, for anybody that hasn't seen now it, now we it, have to do a podcast on shaming. It, it is way to go. <laughs> well it, done. It is a um, it is a uh, a courtroom, a military courtroom drama about uh, an unintended order. And whether or not uh, that unintended order was really intended. Yes. And and in the trying of the case, uh, there's a team of lawyers that are that are protecting some some young military folks, and and the one lawyer played by Demi Moore objects to something, and then she gets overruled, and then she strenuously objects after she's been overruled. In, in one of my favorite conversations, uh, and that's an example of, I heard you, I don't agree, and then somebody coming back and saying, but you should agree. Right, and I heard you again, and I still don't agree. <laughs> and so that strenuous objection, I've used that so many times in my, in my professional world and, and as a parent and in life, this idea of, uh, you know, what the other lawyer, and I don't remember the actor's name, but says to her afterwards is, you, you object to put doubt in the minds of the jury that perhaps there is a different context here. Mm-hmm. 
And once you strenuously object, you have shown that um, you are unwilling to see any other way. And so um, that language that 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 lo- that um, that gentleman shares with Demi Moore is, you know, we do this once. This is part of our protocol, right? And it sets an intention, and we've undone our intention by the strenuous objection. And you know, I was just thinking that that's the, you know, that's the movie reference because the the power of one word, I object, versus I strenuously object, uh-huh. change the complete uh, how that's moderated in the minds of whoever was in that room. Yeah, and the words that we choose can be words of invitation and openness, or they can also be words of battle. Of challenge. disagreement, of challenge, and so that brings us back around to, yeah, the, the, where we start the conversation, which is how we how we choose the words, yeah, and how conscious we are, and what is our intention, and how do we practice that? How do we sometimes, rather than just use one word, expand on the thought? Uh, what does strenuously mean? Right? Uh, how do we how do we advocate an exchange? Yeah, I really believe strongly in what I'm sharing with you. And I'd like to, and you believe strongly, so I'd like to better understand and open, walk through, open up and walk through that door. And one of the things that we then come back to is what are my fears? What are my concerns? What truly do I hold as, as what's, what's, a consciousness of what's holding me back from moving into that space. Yeah, what are my fears and what are what are my concerns? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the best thing to do is bring those into the conversation. My concern is that we may not find agreement. We're not going to know that until we better understand one another. I want to begin by better understanding you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think in a work environment, I, I fear that you may not trust me to get my job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the different fears that show up. So this works in, in, in the work world. This works in your personal relationships. Yeah. And it, there's an internal conversation as well. Sometimes we have a way of, in anger, revving ourselves up without pausing to st- and stopping to say, what is my anger about? What is my fear? Anger is the expression of fear. We've talked about that here on this podcast. Yeah. It's the expression of fear. That's what anger is. So let me pause for a moment and practice that, that internal inquiry, that seeking to understand myself. Before I cannot really understand you until I understand myself. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Edgar. I, again, I'm challenged. I'm challenged at how difficult this is. Um, it's so, so important to do. I, uh, I'm always challenging. I wake up in the morning sometimes feeling like I'm finally ready to take, take on the day. And then at the end of the day, I found my, I just got my ass kicked again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I do know. <laughs> yeah. I do know. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a right life. So, yeah. So thanks very much. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you to all of you out there. I, we, we always want to remind you uh, that all your questions, thoughts, comments are always welcome. Uh, you can email us, uh, call us if you like. Uh, we're at uh, truealignment.com. And you can find our contact information there as well as if you'd like to email us, info at truealignment.com. Definitely. With your questions, thoughts, anything at all, if you'd like us to uh, pose a question on the air for you, uh, please feel free to include that in your email. Thank you for your comments and your thoughts as always. Ken, thank you very much. Thank you for the conversation today, Edgar. Yeah, and thank you, Jim, for being with us, our, our uh, executive producer. See, now you're an executive. Always. <laughs> Always uh, happy to be here with you guys. Uh, and co-founder of the uh, TS Carpentry. Yeah, uh, more more of my partners, more the founder, but uh, business yeah. is good. I hear it's going it's going good. The yeah, install went well good. last week. Yeah, awesome. yeah, we're finishing up some kitchens and uh, moving on to the next ones. Um, nothing like being an entrepreneur, is there? <laughs> there isn't. We all are in one shape, form, or another. We're always we're always at it, aren't we? If you're not working on yourself. Working on something else. There you go. Oh, there it is. Good one. Both and. Always, and right? And. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you the next time around on True Alignment Podcast. I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Thanks, everybody. And have a good one.